Welcome to the Cleansing Word Podcast with Pastor Kevin of Calvary Chapel, Lake Villa. Join us as we go through the Bible as we encourage your walk with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about Calvary Chapel, Lake Villa, visit us at cclv.org. And please share and subscribe to this podcast. Now, let's hear a message from God's Word. And it's just amazing that the Lord would go through what he did, through his death, all the punishment, all the torture he went through. He went through all that so that we could be saved. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, we have that forgiveness of sin and eternal life. In 1 Corinthians 10.16, we have the cup of blessing which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So we have the two elements. We have the blood of Christ and the body of Christ in regards to communion. We're going to focus on the body of Christ today. So for context, the rest of this passage surrounding 1 Corinthians 10:16 is this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 14 through 22. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge for yourself what I say. Okay, so Paul is exhorting the Corinthians to to just to throw idolatry out, to to flee from it. As we know, they were in the Greek culture, they were in the Roman Greek culture, that that was their that was their religion, was idolatry. All the different gods that they had, all the different temples and statues and things that they worshipped and sought their favor from by works. They put it all, Paul kind of puts it all together and says, flee from idolatry. And he says, I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. So that communion portion of it, taking of the same bread, the same Loaf. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? So it's saying those who partake of the sacrifice are taking part of that sacrifice as they eat of it. What am I saying then? That an idol is anything? Or what is offered to idols is anything? No, he's not saying that. He says rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. Okay, so he's really making his point clear that it's this, oh, this is just what we do. No, it's it's deeper than that. It's that battle between good and evil, between God and 
Satan and his demons that this is the battle of this life that we have this battle between the goodness of God and the truth of God versus Satan and his demons and the lies that they offer and they offer them well to trap and to contain those who would run from God. But we are not to have anything part with that as believers in Jesus Christ. He distinguishes it very distinctly here with, you know, are we in communion with God through the blood and the body of Christ? Or are you in fellowship with the demons as you are in idolatry? And we think, oh, we, we don't have idolatry now, do we? But, but we do. The world, I mean, we just had a month of idolatry. <laughs> um, that the world seeks after the things that are not of God and they put those on the pedestal. They put those as their religion, even if they don't call it a religion. They put it there, up. They have their idols, their flags, their, their ideologies. But it can be beyond that. They can be you can put other things in life ahead of Christ, ahead of God, and those can be your idols in life. It could be your career. It could be a relationship. It could be a lot of things, a hobby or something. But if you're putting those things in front of Christ, then you are putting them up as idols. And so we need to put Christ first in all things and live that life of communion with Christ. That's such a beautiful word, really, that word communion, that we're, I mean, it's closeness. It, it gives you that, that feeling of, of family, of familiarity, of, of closeness, of intimate relationship. We're in that communion together in Christ through the body and blood of Christ. And so, as he says, and I do not want you to have fellowship with demons, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. They're at odds with each other. We shouldn't be partakers of both. We need to partake only of the Lord's table. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? The Bible talks about that the Lord is a jealous God, that he wants our whole life, our whole being, he wants it focused on him. And through that, what, what are the results of that? The results are that we can have that peace in God, that we can have life in God, here on this earth, abundant life and eternal life forever and ever. 
He wants everything to flow through him. That as we live this life, we are going to him and being in and through him, we are living this life out as he intends, that we are about his business no matter what we are doing in this life, whether we're doing our schoolwork, whether we're working, whether we're playing, whether we're hanging out with family and friends, whatever we're doing, he wants to be at the center of it, at the center of our lives. Freed from the law, Romans 7, verse 4 says, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who raised, was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. So freedom from the law through the body of Christ, that his sacrifice frees us. He didn't come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill the law. And through that, we have freedom in him. And so Romans 7, 1 through 6, the, the passage around this says, verse 1 from chapter 7 of Romans, Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, so he's speaking to his fellow Jews, they know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. You know, that's what the law does. It it has that dominion because we can't make the mark. We can't fulfill the law on our own. You know, you go through the Ten Commandments and you can tick off how many you've broken, right? <laughs> it's a mirror. I've, I've heard that. I, I really like that description. I've heard that before, that it's a mirror. So you look into the mirror of the law and you see that you can't live up to it that we fail, that we are sinners, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. And that's what the law does. You know, do not steal, do not lie. Um, probably broken those two. Um, you know, all those, I mean, you just look at a couple and you can see that you are not worthy, that you have have sinned and that we should deserve the punishment of the Lord. But yet, Jesus sacrificed himself that we could become children of God, that we could become his sons and daughters, that we could be in the family of God by accepting his sacrifice. For all who have called on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the law has, do you not know, brethren, that the law has dominion over man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her, to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. So Paul uses the example of marriage, that if 
You are married, you're bound to one another. And if you go outside that marriage bond to another, that you are an adulterer, an adulteress. And so God has set up that bounds of marriage that we would be together, bound in marriage uh, for as long as we live, and that we would be free from that bond if one of the couple is um, passes away, if they die, so that you would be free from that bond, from that law, if one of the couple would die. But if they are both alive and they are married, then we are bound to that marriage covenant. And so he uses that as that example um, for the law. And so therefore, my brethren, verse 4, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. And so that's the example of the husband and the wife. He's making that example with the law, that we have become dead to the law so that we're free from it, so that we could be married to another, that we could be married to Christ. Uh, years ago, the must have been 2000, um, late 2000, because we got engaged October of 2000. And sometime that winter, before I moved out here in March, um, sometime between October and March, I was at church in the church that I was at back in uh, the Buffalo area, and they had a guest speaker, and I went up for prayer after with um, to be prayed over um, by this guest speaker. And the pastor that I had known for years, Pastor Pat, um, was with them, and he just, as I came up, he just said a couple of things about, you know, my life situation. I was getting married and um, things that were going on at that time. Um, but the guy said something to me that I'll never forget. He said I was already married. And then it took me a second, but I realized what he meant. He meant exactly this, that um, that we are the body of Christ, right? And as we are each members in the body of Christ, we are also the bride of Christ. And so this is awesome that therefore my brethren becoming dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another to him who was raised from the dead that we would should bear the fruit of God that's what Christ did for us he died for us we are the body of Christ we are the bride of Christ we will be at that great wedding feast and why? That to him who was raised from the dead, Christ, that we should bear the fruit of, to God. So it's all for him. It's all for his glory. That we would live this life to bear fruit to God. For Verse 5, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now... We have been delivered from the law, having died to what we held by, 
so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So I've probably used this example before, but we have we have body, soul, and spirit. And that's how that's the order we are before Christ. Body, soul, and spirit. But it reverses when we're in Christ. It's spirit first, soul, then body. We need to bury the flesh. We need to bury the old man and put him last. Having the Spirit of God first in our life, Christ first, our soul, and then bury our flesh. And that's how it happens with Christ. Our order is reversed as we are in Christ, that a spirit that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter because that is what is buried. And so also through the body of Christ, we are sanctified. In Hebrews 10, 10, it says, By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ Jesus once for all. And so Hebrews 10, 5 through 10 says, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come, in the volume of the book itself written of me, to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. And by that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So the sacrificial system was a a picture of what was to come. It was to portray what Christ would ultimately do for us, that he would be the final sacrifice, the one sacrifice once and for all, that through his sacrifice we had we have forgiveness of sin. Through the sacrificial system, it has to be repeated over and over and over on a daily basis that provided in the old system that covering for that sin. But in its essence, it was just sweeping the sin under a rug. But through Christ, our sin has been forgiven and it is dealt with once and for all. We are forgiven in Christ's sacrifice that he would be the one to live perfectly, to die that death on the cross, that excruciating death, his body broken, pierced, whipped, beaten, even his beard pulled for us. Once and for all, the offering of the body of Christ, once for all, that we would be sanctified 
we would be made whole, that we would have that relationship with Jesus Christ restored so that we could one day go and be with him forever and have that true communion, as I was talking about earlier, with him together forever, that as we are that body of Christ, the bride of Christ, we will go and be with him because he sanctifies us through the offering of his body once and for all. And speaking of the one body, that we are the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31, it says, For as a body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body also, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, all have been made to drink into one spirit. This unity of the body of Christ is, is amazing. It's awesome to be able to go, you know, from one area of the country to another, from one church to another, and find true believers in Christ. You have that common bond because we are that one body in Christ that we can have that commonality between us and we can fellowship and we can love on each other in Christ because we are that one body. There's no barrier of color, of, of, of anything. We're all one body in Christ. As it says, the example here, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, we have been made to drink into one spirit. We are all equal before Christ. We're all equal in the body of Christ. No matter what our background is, where we came from, if we are in Christ, we are one body. We are one family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. For in fact... Verse 14, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, would, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Okay, so it just... I mean, it kind of, in some ways, these are kind of funny questions. <laughs> you know, that, because I'm not a, the foot should say, if I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. You know, no. All our body, all our body parts have important functions. And if you, lose the function of a part of the body or if a part of the body is injured, you know, the rest of your body knows that that, that part is hurting. And so should be true in the body of Christ. That we should be, that's, as our body is that sensitive to each of its members, we should be sensitive to that, to our members of our body, that we would minister to 
those that are hurting. Josiah knows this because he bumped his toe yesterday. And he says he can't put much pressure on it. So even a big toe is very important. It gives us balance. It gives us um, that stability in our foot. And so we, each body part is important no matter what we do, how we serve, where we serve, what function we serve in the body. They all are important. Continuing on, in verse 18 it says, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So he, he made our bodies, physical bodies, so that they would function together. And so we should also function together in the body of Christ. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? If we were all the same, where would the body be? We, we all have different functions in that body. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Verse 22, no, much rather, those members of the body which seem weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on these we bestow great honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body. So unity. We need unity in the body. But that the members should have the same care for one another, as I talked about that we need to love on each other, care for each other, encourage one another, be there for those who are suffering, as it says in verse 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. How awesome is that, that we are in that category. We are members. We are the body of Christ. We are in Christ. Verse 28. And God has appointed these things in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, and gifts of the healings, helps, administrators, varieties of tongues, yet are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. God has given us each talents. He's given us each gifts. And we are to use those to serve the Lord. I love I heard this a while ago, but I love this, that we are all ministers of Jesus Christ. You know, me and John have are pastors in this church, and we are up front, and we're, we are giving the message. 
But that doesn't make us any more important than each of you, that as you serve Christ in the church, we are all ministers of Jesus Christ. We all should have that ministry of who we are. We're ministers to our families. We're ministers to our friends and neighbors. We're ministers to those who we meet in life, at work, at school, wherever we are. We should have that mentality of ministering in Christ's name. And within this body here, this local body of the church, we can all participate. We can all serve in some matter. And, you know, the great example would be coming together on that Saturday, in July 22nd, to come to serve together, to get things done around the church so that things are maintained and um, cleaned and organized, not only for Framingham, but um, for the church and the visitors that we pray would come. And then throughout the throughout the week. I mean, different people serve in different manners. Um, whether helping with Sunday school, helping with the, uh, the sound, the worship, the video, the radio, um, cleaning, whatever, whatever it is, there's always something that a serving's heart can come and do here in this body. But, we, but the key to that is we're all to serve. We're all to find and ask the Lord, what would I be a part of? What should I be a part of in the service to God? You know, we truly ask that, that we would all find those ministry opportunities. And I've been thinking of a few that um, that I would like to maybe start getting out and doing more of together. And so we'll look at those and see a time that maybe we can start doing more things together, which would be an awesome thing to do, uh, not only here in this church, but outside of the church too. So just some things that I've been thinking of. And if you guys have ideas about how we can serve together, um, we would love to hear it. And if we can put it together and be able to serve the Lord together in all areas. In Ephesians, it talks about everyone doing their share. In Ephesians 4, 7 through 16, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does it mean that he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all the things. And the Bible talks about he did descend and he preached the gospels to all those who followed him before his death, burial, and resurrection, that they heard the gospel and would and would be in Christ too. I mean 
We, we see those descriptions in the scriptures. He descended and then he ascended. And he gave himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And that's why we serve God, but then we also serve one another so that we can edify, that we can build up each other in the body of Christ. And verse 13, Till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so, you know, our goal is to lift each other up, to pray for one another, encourage one another, minister to each other, so that to the measure of that stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should be no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried by about with every wind and doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. You know, we need to mature in Christ. We're not to stay children. We're not to stay drinking the milk, but to dig into the meat also. The meat of the meat of the word, that we would be growing and encouraging each other in that. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head of Christ. So we all need to grow up. We all need to continue in that maturity in Christ and grow in and through him. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for edifying of itself in the love. So as we all do our part, as we all do our share, what does it do? It causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It's just a natural progression that as we grow individually and as we grow together, it causes that growth of the body, the body of Christ, for the edifying of itself in love. So as the worship team comes, and we'll and we're going to distribute the the guys can distribute the cup and the bread. I just remind remind us of Hebrews ten ten. I think it was ten ten. I just had the first marked here. Let me double check. Yep, Hebrews 10.10. By that which we have been sanctified through all the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So let us serve the Lord together as one body because he sacrificed his body to sanctify us. <laughs>